Community, Community of Central Oregon's podcast. I've been giving a lot of thought to this topic, the poetry and permanence of joy. Um, I consider myself, and have for a long time, a student of impermanence. And I, I would say that the most, uh, I don't know, this moment, profound teacher um, I've had was my dog, Lucky. And um, you reminded me that there was a photograph of him with me on your website. So Lucky um, passed 70 days ago today. It's been exactly 10 weeks. And I thought, what a perfect day to be here to offer these poems and, and this talk. So um, I have chosen a handful of poems that speak to me. Uh, there's, I mean, you can imagine the gazillions of poems, right? So I've been up to my eyeballs in poetry looking for what, what's the one that speaks to me for this particular morning. And uh, then this morning I did it again because I'm like, well, I don't know. A week ago, what was that? What's this? <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I get it that you can't get it wrong in this community, so I'm not really worried. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to allow these poems to kind of guide me and some comments I'll make as I go along. How's that sound? Perfect. This is a poem by Wu Men. He lived from 1183 to 1260, and I actually have copies of this poem that I will leave wherever you tell me to so that you can take a copy when you go, if you want. So uh, one thing I do want to say before I read this, uh, I consider poetry sort of a process. And I invite you to read in the rhythms of the words and the uh, melody of the language. So I, I, actually, all of us are walking poems, we're all walking poetry. But I, I just um, think it's important to acknowledge that poetry is first a kind of auditory art, and now we have auditory and visual. They're both wonderful. But sometimes it's beautiful for me when someone reads poems to me. So here we go. 10,000 flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, the snow in winter. If your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. If your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. So I asked myself, what are the unnecessary things? You can ask yourself the same question. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm simply going to offer my own reflections based on my own life. What Lucky taught me over the 15 years and three months, I was blessed to share my life with him. Uh, I learned that it is understandable, yet our impossible expectations of things that are of a nature to change are the source of deep suffering. 
that has been chewing my life. It's what makes change, gives it an ache, and sudden change, a deep ache. So that for me, this poems are my friends, they're my companions, they guide me. I write them, but I, they, I also read them, so I feel like I've got millions of friends all the time in the poets and in the words. If my mind isn't clouded by you, unnecessary. So I thought about that. My, my grasping onto the expectation that things that are unstable because they're of a nature to change is not needed. It's completely uh, optional. Are you with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, the other thing about this poem is that it's a great economy of words, which I totally respect. And it's a poem that has been around for centuries. So clearly, there's poetry that speaks to things that are of an essential nature to the human experience, like impermanence and joy. So here's another poem I want to read to you. Some of you know Mary Oliver's work, I assume. This is a very famous poem. Um, I invite you to feel the poignance of it. But we're going to start moving a little bit here toward what the liberating notion has in, this, uh, in her response. This is called In Blackwater Woods. Look, look, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. I, everything, every year, everything I've ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends upon it, and when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. The meaning we will never, ever know. We can't figure this stuff out. This is incomprehensible. But you and I, if you check your experience, can know impermanence is not a concept. It's an observable fact of life. It's called truth or reality. It's a timeless truth. You, you can see it. I can see it. Not just now, I mean, things are, that wind, we're dust in the wind. Well, we're going to get to the joy part, but so hold, hang in with me. <laughs> uh, so it's not a concept, but a knowing. I think that's what she's getting at. We can't know this in thinking. There's some some way that we go beyond that. That we're called beyond what the mind knows, because there's some limitations in thought. At least this is my experience. And so, liberation from fixed ideas about self, other, and world is what this loosening up, like impermanence is a, um, a joyous thing to behold. You know, if I'm aligned with the 
this timeless truth rather than arguing against it, which, have you spent any time in your life arguing with reality? Okay, all right. I'm in the club, not of one. Um, <laughs> um, fixed ideas about what should or could or I hope would last. There's a great relief that started to happen for me, especially as I watched Lucky over the years. He had a lot of medical problems and I never knew when he was going to, you know, have inflammation in his belly or his back and, uh, you know, whether he'd have to go to the hospital. I mean, it was off and on, but all his life, he taught me, um, let go of your notion about what should happen or could happen and all this is going to shift and it's all ever shifting and I was like, yep. My guru is right. Does that make sense? Yes. Did you, do you relate to this? Oh, yeah. This, amen. Amen. Oh, amen. All right. Hallelujah. That, hallelujah. <laughs> There's a little phrase in the Asian uh, part of the world, soon gone. What is here? Soon gone. So when I see soon gone in, in my living, perhaps like you, I hope this is precious. This is unrepeatable and precious. And even if it's a moment of hurt or pain, even that can be precious. And even that comes and goes. None of it lasts, that's its nature. And Lucky taught me there's nothing wrong with that. This is natural. So what I think she's getting at, I'm gonna to come to another poem, has to do with non-attachment, which I'm gonna get back to that in a minute. This is a poem by Czesław Bloch, who's a, um, Polish-born Czechoslovakian poet. <clears throat> he lived through a lot of horrors and is one of the most beautiful and joyous poets. He's one of my favorites. And this is called Encounter. We were riding through frozen fields in a wagon at dawn. A red wing rose in the darkness. And suddenly a hare ran across the road. One of us pointed to it with his hand. That was long ago. Today, neither of them is alive. Not the hare, nor the man who made the gesture. Oh, my love. Oh, my love. Where are they? Where are they going? The flash of a hand, streak of movement, rustle of pebbles. I ask, not out of sorrow, but in wonder. Ask out of wonder. I don't know about you, but the impermanence used to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> it really did. I didn't know about asking in wonder until I started really becoming a student of impermanence and looking carefully, um, a sustained act of seeing, of attention. And then I notice the world begins to shine as a source of wonder, amazement, and amusement to all of that. As the grip loosens, as it loosens, the grip of the mind on, I don't like this, this should change, or I don't want this to change. Fear and hope, you know what I'm saying? You with me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get it? We loosen, or I loosen. I'm speaking of my experience, but I know I am not unique. Not in this way. So, 
The alignment or the harmonizing with impermanence opens the door to this awareness of this, the special, profound um, nature of embodied life. To greet it, meet it, and, and enjoy it. Yeah? I've got another poem. And I feel like this, this is another Mary Oliver poem that um, I, I, I chose it because I wanted you to hear again her voice and, and allow it to become your own to the degree that you want or are able to listen to this amazed voice. This is the voice of amazement <laughs> and the opening to the joy of the world, mindful. Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight. <laughs> kills me with delight. That leaves me like a needle in a haystack of light. It is what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world to instruct myself over and over in joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking about the exceptional, the fearful, the dreadful, the very extravagant, but of the ordinary, the common, the very drab, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these? the untrimmable light of the world, the oceans shine, the prayers that are made of grass. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I don't even know I'm saying anything else after this, but I am. <laughs> uh, you hear the amazements in that? Total amazement. So what I came to see is that Impermanence opens to the possibility of non-attachment or non-grasping. And I was very confused for most of my life about non-attachment. I didn't really know what the hell I was talking about <laughs> for a very long time. But that's okay. I came to see that non-attachment is not non-relational. <clears throat> it's actually a quality of mind that is open to everything that arises and moves through without closing around, without my closing around it or fixating on it. That everything is free to move through this spaciousness because there's nothing to clutch onto anymore. And that was what happened when Lucky finally started to get to a point in his life where I could see he was definitely beginning to deteriorate, you know? Um, and then finally, uh, he lost the use of his back legs. And I was like, okay. That, I, some of you here know me, and you know about Lucky. Uh, he was quite a guy. Um, of course, every animal, I mean, like, I just, oi. In <laughs> Judaism, we talk about veiling. We veil over it. is taking such deep delight in, in, in others' of joys. 
but I, I fell over Zorro's pebble animals. <laughs> Those beautiful Pandora moths on Kvelling. If everybody felt more, our world would feel very different, I think. So I want to share this with you because I'm, what I would really like to say as I begin to move toward closing is that it's not that I didn't feel this ache in the, you know? I felt the ache. When Lucky passed, I wailed. I wailed, of course I did. I shared my life with this gorgeous creature. When he dropped his furry costume, I wailed. And it was okay, because he taught me. If you don't close around this experience, you can experience it fully and let it inform you and let yourself be moved. And you don't have to be afraid because this is all open out. It's all opening out. It's all happening in your favor. Han uh, Shan is a poet, an ancient poet, who wrote, once you realize this floating life, this ephemeral world, this ever-changing movement that we call the world, self and other. Once you realize this floating life is the perfect mirage of change, it's breathtaking. This wild joy at wandering bound, wandering boundless and free. So, three days after he passed on May 19th, 2019, and by the way, right before he got the second shot from the vet, I was holding him and we had a little ritual and it was, oh, everyone should go this way. And his, like a second before he got that shot, his tail wagged vigorously. Mm -hmm. Even then, he's teaching. He's still teaching. Mm -hmm.